0: Hello, Sayla listeners. Hey, guys. We're happy to have you here. Thank you so much for tapping into the Sayla podcast today. Um, Katie and I watched for the first time, well, my first time, we watched The Secret, the documentary. So it's a book and a documentary, Documentary, <laughs> which I love a visual aspect of a book. Um, I'm one of those people, if it's done well. Uh, but yeah, overall, it was a really great.
1: Yeah. I feel like The Secret's one of those documentaries where you kind of have to stick with it because the first like 20 minutes is very like cheesy mystical. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what it, what is happening? But then after it kind of like captures you with the mystic aspect, it kind of, it levels out.
0: Yeah. They showed some kooky people. Like it was really fun <laughs> to be like, oh, like, like there's this guy that always was just was like, kind of like yelling at you, not yelling Proctor. at you, His but, name was name yeah. but he was just like, <laughs> yelling at you spiritually so it's like oh like it it was
1: confusing I've never really had that happen to me (laughs) honestly though and so the the whole point of the secret is kind of like visualizing and feeling yourself into these situations or scenarios before they actually present themselves to you and um honestly that takes a lot of retraining your brain and sometimes sometimes you need the proctor yelling at you like when you start to have a negative thought like hey
0: (laughs) Yeah. So it's all about the law of attraction. So something I've noticed like the synchronicities in my life, like this week is all about how your thoughts create your beliefs and really making sure that you are catching like your thoughts and really like how your brain is operating within them. And I've noticed that I have kind of operated from a space of where maybe I'm focusing on the things that I don't want to do in life. And so therefore I'm staying at that energetic of what I don't want. And so the law of attraction works towards that lower vibration. So I really wanted to make sure that I'm taking accountability and stepping more into the things, you know, and thinking more of the things that I want to create
1: that, um, to create that flow to come through me. Yeah. And a lot of people I know, when you talk about law of attraction, it's like, Oh, what you think is what you get. It's like, it doesn't happen as rapidly as you think. It's not like you're like, oh, like I'm thinking about taking a trip to Paris and tomorrow you'll be in Paris. It's more about the law of attraction as your thoughts go as far as patterns go, um, which really ties us into what this episode is about with Deanna and Nicole. Um, once again, it's Black History Month, so we are covering multiple people of color who have dedicated their lives to the healing work, especially in the Black community. And one of the things Deanna specializes in is healing ancestral wounds and basically ancestral thought processes, ancestral patterns of thought that keep you in low vibrational living. Yeah. So
0: she really taps into we are not our stories that we are identifying ourselves with. And I thought that was so profound. This is a great one, guys. So be sure to let us know what you think. Um, send us a message, and we're so excited to share it with you.
1: Yeah, enjoy, guys. Enjoy.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Sailor Wellness Podcast. Welcome,
1: welcome.
0: We are so excited to have our guests here. It is Diana Nicole. She is a transformational life coach, an Emmy-winning storyteller, and a certified kundalini yoga teacher. Um, So she's hitting all the notes there. We're so excited to have you. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much for being on, Deanna.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me, you all. It's great to be here. And I really love what you all are doing and the intention behind this podcast. So thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. you. Um, So as you know, this month, we were really featuring um, women of color in the healing industry. And we know that you have a background in healing the mother wound. So we just want to hop right into it. How did you first get into this work? And how did you even figure out that this was such a issue, especially in the, in the I don't even want to say the African-American community, just people of color?
2: Yes. How did I get in this work? Because of my own mother wound. <laughs> uh, I grew up. Um, my story is is that I grew up with my mother, uh, she was a single parent, she had me at 19. And when she was pregnant with me, she was working at Jack in the Box, had just graduated high school. And she came from a very um, southern, my grandparents have southern roots, military family. So she was already carrying a lot of shame around being pregnant out of wedlock, being pregnant that young. Um, so let to give you a backstory on that. And the man who I was told was my father was not very present when he was. It was very toxic. He was an abusive man um, who comes from abuse himself. So it's no wonder he's abusive. And for the longest time, I thought that my deepest longing was to have this love for my father right? Like never having a dad there. I thought I had, you know, daddy issues. And a lot of my healing journey, I would say up until, I don't know, like 30, was around the father not being present. And I really worked through a lot of, well, we're not even going to go into how that was expressed right now. But once I had started really on that journey of healing, I found out he wasn't my father. My mother had um, lied to me. Um, in her mind, she didn't lie. She just didn't know, but that's another story as well. you guys can ask more questions if you want, but long story short, what I realized was, you know, after really looking into do the healing around the father wound, I made a film about it. Um, I did a lot of creative work around it, which always helps with my healing. I realized the deeper wound, the deeper, um, root of ways I was showing up in my own womanhood was directly linked to my relationship with my mother and how I saw her embody her womanhood, how I saw her in relationship to love, to friendship, to money, to work, to everything. And it wasn't until I really saw that could I really begin my own journey of healing. And within that journey, I mean, A lot of people are not willing to go down that route, especially as um, black women, women of color, you know, don't talk about my mama. We don't talk about our mothers. We're not supposed to, I mean, because they've done so much and they have intergenerationally been through so much uh, within the black community specifically, you know, you don't talk about your family's business, right? You don't air the dirty laundry on the streets. And there's just such, there can be such this, environment of secrecy which breeds shame and the inability for people to really have honest hard sometimes confrontational conversations with their mothers mm. yet it's absolutely necessary if you're going to embrace your own womanhood wow happen
1: there's so many points in that that I wanted to touch on but when he said that, how many Black mothers have been through so much, and it's one of those things we don't really talk about how the effects of our parents, them going things, how they affect us. But one thing I've realized is, so often Black women wear their wounds i guess is like an armor like a like a badge of honor like i've been through this i've been through that i've been through this so i feel like it's hard as a, as a as a society to look at those wounds and as wounds and say oh wow there's some healing that needs to be there instead of glorifying them and i feel like especially in the black community a lot of the times these wounds are regarded as strength
2: yes yes well you know there's that's a great acknowledgement and um, talking point, because it goes in many places. So when we look at, and and I just wanna say too, and I know you know this, um, but I'm talking from my contextualized experience. um, Statistically, yes, there is um, a disproportionate number of single mothers to to two-parent families or what have you, but I also don't wanna blanket this as every black person comes from a single mother that's gone through a lot of struggle. I just have to say that because I do know other black women that have not had that experience. But from my experience and from what I've what I've observed, this, like you said, this this woundedness, this I'll even I'll call it this struggle, like being addicted to struggle, or not even addicted to struggle, it's 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 the pain body, right? Our nervous systems, literally, when you are a um, when you have been through complex trauma, right? There's there's trauma that's like, boom, I got in a car accident, I'm scared of driving cars anymore. Then there's trauma where it's like <laughs> trauma over time, intergenerational, tra- complex trauma as people of color period are, are dealing with. With complex trauma, your nervous system starts to get rewired to expect struggle, to be start to become comfortable with struggle and pain to to feel like it is way too terrifying to believe that things could actually work out in the way you would love them to because you have witnessed up until this point things that have not and you're expecting it not to right mm-hmm. so there's this literally on a biological level a retraining of the nervous system that has to happen that's why it's you know by body mind and spirit healing that needs to happen but first and foremost i think it's if we're even you know, looking at this as not even just women, but if we're looking at feminine energy and masculine energy, and if black women have had to suppress their divine feminine, the receptivity, being able to receive support, asking for support, um, being held, right? Um, there's so many different ways that the femininity gets repressed for the, for the sake of just being able to provide, right? I got to go out there. I got to be my masculine. I got to make it happen. I got to grind. I got to struggle. I got to, you know, do, 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 do. It's an imbalance. Right? So we be, we, we become disconnected from our power, our, our real power, right? Which lies in the dance between that masculine and feminine, but everything's birthed from the darkness, which is the feminine. So, because we've had to act in that way for so long, just to survive—I mean, it's—it's it's a miracle we're still here. It's—it's it's a totally different muscle to exercise, to—to to be able to receive, to not. Um, who was it that said it? I think it was James Baldwin that said, "You know, the black woman is the most disrespected person in America." Malcolm you know, X. Malcolm X. Thank you. Uh, which is true. Right? And if I continue identifying with that as my identity as a Black woman, I will not be able to get out of that story. Not saying these things are are not facts and have happened. But if I relate to myself as it's always going to be hard, got to work hard to get what I really desire. There ain't no man out there for me or woman or whatever it is. As you believe, so so shall you receive. Right?
0: I um I watched something today that uh Abraham I think it's a professor but that your thoughts are your beliefs your really? thoughts yes are your beliefs and I watched that video today um and it really just it just hit it for me because they are you know that repetitiveness and you start to really take that into form and harness that within your life. So stepping out of that takes great pride and dignity and courage courage, and also to know, and it's because you want to rewrite a new story. And that goes into my question for you. Um, you know, what exactly goes into healing the ancest- ancestral wound from how you see
2: mm-hmm. it? Whew. Uh, well, I'm still healing. I think we're all still healing. I do think we're all, here at a very pivotal time uh, of transformation of the planet and of humanity. Um, Part of the pain, as far as from my perspective, especially within the black community in America, in North America, is that literally most of us cannot trace back beyond the trauma and the genocide of what slavery was. Right. There's something about being disconnected even from knowing where your ancestral roots are, other than a generalization of most likely West Africa, maybe, you know. So there's already that disconnect. And. You know, I, I had a client who, uh, a young Jewish woman, um, and I, she had said something one day, I said, you do realize that most black people in this country, their last names are the name of a slave owner. My last name, Baxter, is that's not from my ancestors. That is from a slave owner. This is why the movement in the Nation of Islam, people were taking X as their last name. Like this shit goes deep, right? And when you're disconnected, when you can't say, oh yes, my ancestors who came from this one city in Ghana and blah, 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 and I can trace back these roots and actually feed my, my sense of myself. With a dignity and pride and richness and layers that is beyond the colonization of Europe, there's a disconnect there. So, first and foremost, for me, my journey was in a a very ignorant way. You know, I thought I'm gonna go live in Egypt for a while. I went to study abroad in Egypt. I'm like, I'm gonna go make pyramids of my ancestors. And then you get there and you realize that colorism is there as well. And, you know, that uh it's not a a fantasy of like back then this was great right it's deeper than that i believe it starts to talk it starts with once again the mother wound right because this is how generations are passed down and then speaking to the ancestors that are still here if you can start there if you have if you're blessed enough to have grandparents start talking to them start start asking them questions about their story start recognizing how certain belief systems, both good and bad, have been passed down. Yes. And then start to go, start really going beyond what you've been taught, whether that be in your schools or your churches or your synagogues or whatever that is, and start to do your own investigation. Mm
1: -hmm. And most
2: of that begins to, certain things start to be whispered to you. You'll start to be guided where to look, right? And that only comes from you taking the time out to have that divine appointment in the silence to listen and trusting, especially as women, we're so powerful, oh, 16 times more powerful than men when it energetically, Sixteen,
0: Exactly, 16.
2: <laughs> that's I mean, in yogic teachings, that's mm. this, is, you know, Kundalini specifically, 16 times. There's nothing beyond woman except God. We've been given the gift to cre- bring life. Mm when we start to connect to that, right, that also will start to reveal places that need to be healed within us. And that usually is attached to ancestral line. So that's a long answer to your question. But the other part of that is like, I keep a separate altar in my home for my ancestors, right? And one of them that I really work with a lot is my great grandmother, who I had the opportunity to spend time with when I was at my um, undergrad years at Duke. And I sit with her. I ask for guidance. I listen. Am I gonna hear her talk to me? That's not necessarily how I'm guided, right? I might get signs on the radio or in the street or what have you. And she and she's pointed me to some things that I was unaware of that needed to be healed in our lineage, right? And then recognizing that you can never do the healing for others, period. Mm,
1: that's a big one.
2: Your healing is what heals the seven generations before and after. You can't, and that's hard with the mother wound too.
1: Especially once you go through a certain level of healing and you, so much wants, so much and you wants to go back and bring that healing to those behind you. Like your mom. like, why can't you receive these gifts? But then you have to, well, not these, well, healing is a gift, but you come to the point where you realize like you were- you were born in this time for this reason to move forward. You can't go back in the past and heal all these people. You are here for a reason. Your healing was called for now for a reason. How are you going to move forward?
2: Yes. And in your healing, it is healed. All the ancestors that have come before you is the reason why you are able to, we are able to be here right now mm-hmm. from both mother and, mother and father's side. There's millions of ancestors behind you.
1: Now that mm. makes me think of a mantra that I love that says, "I am the dream of my ancestors." Yes. Every time I hear them, like, mm.
2: "Yes," and recognizing that you are the ancestor.
0: Mm. Yes, I want to. I want to talk on that because when you do take that pivot and you do start to heal that wound and it comes to the surface and you start to change the course and change the lineage there in the direction. Obviously, how is that impacting? the fam like your family lineage you know, after that you know that comes after you what does that look like or do you have a glimpse
2: i mean that hopefully it looks like healthier relationship to self understanding that we're divine beings hopefully it looks that way that's why you're doing the healing now obviously you don't have control over that right but there is a difference between There is, there's no way for you not to have impact on future generations. If you are taking ownership of your life right now, if you're taking full responsibility, no matter what's happened to you before, no matter the trauma in your lineage, if you're taking full responsibility for the life you are living now and making choices that are in alignment with your values and alignment with your, your possible and probable self rather than your default self, it automatically is going to shift. Because if you're to have your own children, you've already done some healing around certain things. You're not gonna pass on that same behavior.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You won't, and believe me, they'll get some toxic stuff from you too, and that's gonna be their job to heal that. I mean, it's it's, it's called evolution. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, one thing I love is during this time where you're seeing a liberation, I think it's so crucial that we have not only educators of Black history right now, but healers, because one thing I've realized is sometimes so many times you just continue to point at the problem, and when you look at the solution outside of yourself, it's never lasting change. You can say it's this party's problem, it's this racist problem for my issues, but when we actually, we take the information, we understand why these wounds happen, it's our own personal responsibility to heal. No one else, no amount of money, money you can throw at a problem, no policy, no nothing can actually heal the wound that's inside.
2: No, it's true. You know, as as above, so below, so within, so without. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is nothing, the point of power is within. And I think for me, especially when I was younger, I thought, okay, I'm doing all I'm doing it right, right? I'm doing this training or I'm going to this spiritual healer or teacher, or I'm doing this and I'm doing my thing every day. And I was still doing it out of this old model of do something to be rewarded with. It was still this thought that something outside of me is saying you're good or bad, right? This whole Santa Claus in the sky notion, right? And not to down anybody who believes in any way believe what you believe but if you still are putting your power outside of you you're gonna keep going and understanding that if you're breathing there's healing to be done it's yeah. not a destination it's not a destination yeah you, you break through an old way of being it's like ah and then it's like uh oh, oh shit. okay there's this happening now what's this is this an alignment Ooh, this doesn't feel alignment okay you know, and you go through and the messy parts all over again. Like there's no one day everything is perfect. Yeah. Life would be boring if that was the case. That's not life. It's not that that's nature will teach you that, mm-hmm. right? There's always a death and rebirth happening.
1: And it might seem obvious to a lot of people that healing can also come from a wound you have from your mother. But a lot of people, like you said yourself, it, it automatically goes back on the father. Like all oh, these are daddy issues or things like that. How did you, how can you really tell the, well, I guess this would be a generalization, but how would you say the difference between a mommy issue and a daddy issue would manifest itself?
2: Well, I think, you know, it's two very different things. I was looking for my, my daddy father's love, um, in strange men's beds. I was looking for um, my father's love with the net, na- allowing uh, just people that did not deserve to have access to me or my energy space mm-hmm. because of the abandonment wound around that. Mm-hmm. Feeling like believing the lie that there must be something inherently wrong with me for this person not to show up for me, not to love me, not to want to raise me, right? Because as a child, in a child's mind, the, the other parent can tell you all they want, but in your mind, it's like something must be wrong with me, right? So that develops really early on, which usually is the through line throughout, which are always battling that lie. There's nothing wrong with us. We are whole, we are not broken. Mm-hmm. So I think for me that that really manifested um, in that, but, I, but part of that too was my mother wound because of the way I saw her witnessing her in shame around her own sensuality because she naturally was a sensual woman. Mm. I was shamed around that at the time that she grew up, as well as her family. And also, I never saw her in a loving relationship with a man, so I never saw that embodied.
0: Mm.
2: So it's kind of both and. I don't think it, um, and I think for different people, depending on what kind of wave, energy wave, the mother had in, in the space, you know, but always look to the person who raised you. That is who you were influenced by the most in the day in, day out, daily habits, daily thought patterns, how you were reflected back. And and that's not always the mother, but oftentimes it is.
0: I'm going to say something that for me, I'm a white woman. My ancestral healing looks different and Mm -hmm. everyone's is unique and everyone's is different and everyone should honor their own healing and really take the time to feel that, you know, and healing is for all races. But I want to say that um, for me, like I did a lot of questionable things as a young girl and I didn't come from any daddy issues, to be honest, or any mother issues, but still the lack of within was still apparent for me and it makes me wonder And not to completely derail from this conversation of like the focus of the wound of the mother and the father, but it makes me think, well, hmm, like, I wonder where that came from. You know, Mm -hmm. I wonder where the feeling of trying to find love acceptance. And I feel like that's also just looking at the grand picture of, again, our environment or where we came in and. It, there's so much you can put into it. There's so much that can really um, affect that, and dissecting it is not easy. And sometimes there's certain things that you can pivot on it and be like, "Oh, that's that's an easy one." Like, or like, I act like this because of this reason. Like a very obvious.
1: So basically, your question is like, if you, if you I don't know someone if it's a who have the same of a... qualities of someone who might need to heal some mother wounds yet you don't outrightly notice that you have a wound from your mother, how can you kind of begin to pinpoint where that wound might come from?
0: Sure, like it's, yeah, I think that's a good question. I think that's a good question.
1: (laughs) I
2: don't think anybody doesn't have a mother wound. I agree. Mm -hmm. Um, I think when we start looking deeper, and not that we're looking for the bad things, I'm not saying that, But you know what is what was your relationship to your mother's mother? Because you were in her womb, you were in your grandmother's womb, right? Mm -hmm. And if that was the case, she was in her grandmother's. Like it's deep stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And this is even if we really dive into it and start start talking about the divine feminine energy, right? Or if we start talking about goddess culture, if we start talking about times before there was a uh, monolithic God, times before even the Egyptians were worshiping Ra as the sun god, you know, um, basically the shift into patriarchy, Mm
1: -hmm. right?
2: If we go before that time, women were not, uh, women's voices were not silenced, we weren't feared, things weren't, the unknown wasn't something to be scared of. there was an understanding that, uh, everything is birthed from woman. Therefore woman was masculine, was in service to, and that's not thinking in a masculine, uh, toxic masculine way. Like we're above men. It wasn't that it was the honoring of the divine feminine. Mm-hmm. So part of it is that right. And then once again, Cause what I'm hearing you say is more like, well, I didn't have any like bad things necessarily happen, but I still have acted out in ways or have self-worth things that come up. Another thing is that when we are, when we are not even yet a fetus as women, the cell that divides the tissue, the cell, the tissues of the cell that, okay, what am I trying to say? The cell that forms the tissues of your throat is the same cell that splits to form the tissues of the womb wow thus thus it's and if you look in a in a um, in an in a, in anatomy and look at the throat and you look at the womb mm. the jaws the pelvic floor just of the womb like even when you relax your jaw you can automatically fill your womb open it's direct connection therefore women's relationship to their sensual cells to their creative center, their womb, their second chakra, is a direct relationship to them speaking their truth, for them feeling safe enough to set boundaries, for them to be safe enough to tell their stories, and for them to really own their power. It's connected.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. And Amber, I love that you pointed out that this doesn't necessarily have to be a race thing. Like you said, everyone can have, everyone probably does in some level have some sort of mother wound like i think every any of our listeners when you look back not to point i think it's very important that we're not saying like your mom gave you all these problems like blame your mom no it's your mom this is not it but if you really think about it was your mom in her power did your mom use her voice did your mom embody to the best of her abilities the divine feminine and the divine feminine doesn't have a race part a race to it but i think in the case of like ancestral healing especially with women of color those, those traumas are more obvious and I guess could be,
2: yes. yeah, and they're showing up literally as dis-ease in the womb.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, if you look at just the African-American experience when it came to the black women, the black woman was, you know, a breeder. That's how we were treated. We'd have our own babies. they take them away, go sell them off, but give us the masses, baby, and that baby would drink our baby's milk. I mean, there's a whole, like, it's deep stuff, right? So really important to start to connect to that again. So that energetically in the cells, it can be released. So it's not passed down. So it's, it's a different lens that must, that, that we have to look at, depending on your background, right? And for, and for, um, Black women, what are six times six? Is it six times more likely to have fibroids, um, endometriosis, all the diseases of the womb? And that's not happenstance, and it keeps getting passed down, you know. And we are—I do believe we are—we are in the great awakening. We're in the age of Aquarius. We, there is a big shift happening, and that's why I think it's even more important that everyone is doing their work to hear that ancestral, especially white women. Yeah. Like, because that lineage, there's so, so much that needs to be healed as well in order to let go of that pattern repeating itself, even if it's not as blatant, right? It's just systematic now, or it's bypassing, or it's microaggressions, or it's just pure ignorance. But we have to heal, you know, take ownership of healing that lineage as well. Mm. And usually you can go back even further beyond the states, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a both and, and it's complex. And I think to simplify it for people, the first place to start is there's steps with this. First recognizing, as for, for the mother wound specifically, recognizing even just choosing five characteristics that you love about your mother, that you see yourself embody now. And then list five that, oof, I don't like that. And I, and maybe it's in yourself and maybe it isn't. Most likely there's some of that there.
0: You know, it's it's kind of sad because when you said that, well, not sad, but there's a part of me that it's a lot to stomach to write down something about my mother that I don't like. You know, it's a lot of it's you, you don't necessarily want to look at it because you want to think of your mother as it's your first relationship in this world, you know, that you have and you, she brought you this beautiful life, you you know, you're connected to her, whether you guys have a good relationship or not, in a way that you're not connected with anyone on this planet, like, and it's hard to maybe, I I guess, in my position, personally, to feel like I can write down some qualities of her that are pretty deep, you know, they would be deep, I have them, I have them, but to write them down, and to man, like, oh, like, (laughs) kind of, it's, it's not scary, but it's,
2: but i see what's coming what's coming up in you right now
0: yeah
2: right and this is the thing it's not it's not abandoning our mothers or blaming them or trying to find something wrong with them or shame them it's finally looking at our mothers through the eyes of woman to woman her embodiment of womanhood not necessarily her motherhood sometimes i mean it's not separate right but uh, For me, and me, my mom were very close growing. She was more like my big sister because she had me young. And I saw a lot that me as a mother, I probably wouldn't let my child see. But at the same time, all those things that I saw are allowing me to talk to you all right now at this moment about my journey. So none of it is in vain. None of it is wasted. All of it is divine. All of it is in alignment. And yet, our relationship has shifted and evolved, whereas it was stuck in a little bit of codependency. It was stuck in this, well, I don't want to bring that up because I don't want to hurt her. Right. But yet for myself, I was showing up in ways that I didn't like that I knew was in direct relationship to how I related to my mother. So there had to be that boom, me speak my truth, me make the film that, oh, my God, is this going to hurt her if I put this out in public? Right. Because. I I am blessed to have had her as a mother. And she did show up very powerfully in ways. Don't get it twisted. Like my mama would, is the shit, right? But, and I have to recognize the ways that, no, you weren't there when I needed you in this way. Or I witnessed this and I shouldn't have, and this is this, or whatever. You get that out, right? First, first thing is the awareness. List those characteristics. Five... Uh, the embodiment of your mother and what you've been carrying on, what you choose not to, have a difficult conversation. Usually that needs to happen for most people, if you're you're blessed enough to still have your mother around. I have clients that will do this with parents that have passed to write a letter. Forgiveness is next. Deep forgiveness, not only for your mother, but for yourself in ways that you might have shown up in a way that for you wasn't really fully, fully expression and embodiment of who you truly are, or might have caused yourself or others pain. So forgiveness. And then it brings the space for you all to have a different dance and relationship. And for some, for some it just means no, you know, depending on how what that how infected that wound is, you might have to take a break and have a strong boundary and give the space to heal that wound right clean it out all of that I mean if we're talking about a wound that's exactly this is what we're doing right first of all just acknowledging that it's there rip the band-aid off there's a damn wound how deep is it how infected is it we need to clean it out we need to really look at it then we start put it, putting on the things that are the truth right and I do believe that children the souls of children come through the parents that they choose so no matter how amazing or traumatic that parental experience is is it's what that soul is choosing to evolve through so that they can be the light for the next
0: that goes in sorry i i wrote this question down because for me when you said that when a soul goes into a body a body has its family lineage so that body has been through lineages of history, but then the soul could be completely non-identifying with that lineage at all, you know, throughout time. So Mm -hmm. when that soul picks that body, um, what would you say the differences are between the soul and the body with ancestral wounds? Like, Mm -hmm. is it the soul that's doing the work to heal the body trauma?
2: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we are vibrational beings having a human experience, so I think a, this is how I believe anyways. I think a lot of us think of a soul as something that's inside of us. It's not. Like the soul has the body. The soul is bigger than the body, no, right? Or even if you're thinking of uh, the, you know, in different, um, like yoga, we'll use yoga because that's what I know. <laughs> We talk about the 10 bodies. There's 10 bodies, the radiant body, the auric body, the negative body, the positive, I mean, the negative mind, the positive mind. These I are I feel oh, I feel them.
0: <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah.
2: So it's, and you know, it's interesting during this time that we're supposed to say six feet away. The auric field extends at minimum six feet. Wow. You, you can expand that through breath work and your energy and what have you, but so, I mean, oof. And when you think of vibrational beings, right? And you think of, of, of light and if every cell, mean, this is how magnificent this, it just blows me away when I start to think about it sometimes. I'm like, my God, like science to me is just amazing because it just proves like how divinely perfect everything is in that way. Every cell, like what turns over, What is it? I think it's, I might mess up my numbers here, ladies, so fact check it. But I think like every 72 hours, a cell renews itself. Mm -hmm. Right? And, or if you think of molecules as well, like you've seen all the studies, right? You have a jar of water over here, you tell you, you you send it love, you have a jar of water here, you send it to, and you see what energetically happens to the molecules. Once again, vibration, intentional vibration, light. So in that sense, everything is energy. We're experiencing experiencing this as a physical body, right? But nothing is static. It's still energy mixing, right? It's still energy in movement,
1: Mm -hmm. right?
2: So in that sense, it's not one is doing it to the other. It's both and. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, nothing is separate. There's only one thing at work life with a capital l itself is always seeking to expand and grow just like space
1: wow infinite.
2: very hard for our 3d minds to wrap around it mm-hmm. but that's why it's so important to close that outer eye go within connect with the breath start to experience yourself beyond what you can see wow that's you know, does that make any
1: sense? 100%. 100%. It makes me think of also how, not trivial, because it's, it's not trivial, but when you detach, detach from your identity of just a body so much, the smaller race feels, mm-hmm. you know, like when you really start to imagine these different levels of self, um, these different levels of life the 3D racial experience seems so small in comparison. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. No, it does. It's it's a both and experience, right? Because mm-hmm. there there's something with, within the spiritual industry that I, I find really troubling sometimes. And I've seen it a lot um, over the past year, especially 2020, you'd see certain like you know, Instagram influencers who are spiritual and not say anything about what's happening because it's like, oh, it's not, I'm going to stay in my positive vibes. I'm like, that's a fucking luxury. <laughs> that's privilege in itself that you can stay in yeah. your positive vibes and not be affected by it, right? And it's very important for you not to be entrenched that your whole reality is in defense to a reality that you no longer want to be creating.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But still serves as identity, which is why it's so important and why there is such a deep wound there within the Black community because of even as children, especially if you're in the public school system, you're not taught anything good about yourself. Nothing. All the heroes are white. All the inventors are white. And that's all lies. It's bullshit, right? American history is Black history. But it's, but what these kids are fed with, The identity that comes from that is one that is in reaction to a measuring tape that they'll never measure up to because whiteness is a construct in itself.
1: That's exactly why I am going to school for African-American studies and why I want to be a professor in African-American studies is because when I was in college taking these classes, it felt so disempowering and it felt like I was being sold an identity that I didn't identify with. And when I... Kind of stepped out of that narrative and started doing my own research outside of my school research, which blew my mind. I was like, you know what? No, like Black history. The class did wake my eyes up in a way that wasn't obvious. It woke my eyes up to this doesn't feel right. And the research that I did on my own and getting my and getting my yoga certification and and I consider myself a spiritual person. All these things started clicking, and I'm like, no, Black history is very important education wise, but it needs to be done in a way that incorporates wellness, empowerment, because that's lacking.
2: It is, it is. And I feel like, you know, it's interesting you say that. That's why identity, identity is fluid. It's not solid, first and foremost. And it's the most powerful identity in the way that you identify as in relationship to yourself, right? Because there's always gonna be projections on you about who you are and, oh, she looks like this, so she must act like this or whatever it is. But I remember I was 19, when I went to go live in Cairo, and I grew up up until that point thinking, I'm a young black girl. I, I've gotten, you know, graduated high school with a 4.3, and da, da da da. And my mom had to go on welfare for a while. Like I always had this identity of like this poor, monetarily poor black girl who's had to struggle so much. And damn, she's made it, and she's doing so good, and she ended up at Duke, and da da. da, da and you know, oh, life's been hard. And I went over to Cairo and then I saw what poor really was, what it is to not have basic fucking drinking water, what it was to, you know, and it shifted my whole identity of myself because the, the trap in that is that you stay in victimhood. Yeah. That does not, That does not mean you deny the the hateful systematic bullshit that is there to try to keep you in victimhood but if you remain in victimhood you're giving your power away
1: Mm
2: a hundred percent ownership of your life is key to living a life of joy and that doesn't mean ignoring what's happening and all of us are doing our part hopefully in whatever way we can with the gifts we're given to shift that Mm -hmm. right because I did the same. I major, I double major in literature and triple um, A.S. African slash African American studies, minor in women's studies. And I and I was angry going into college. I was like, I will never read another book by a dead white man. I'm done. And I didn't. <laughs> and it was the best thing for me because then I just was, oh my god, I found Audre Lorde and Toni Morrison and and um, Chinua Kebe and like all of these, am- all this amazing literature and stories. Mm that just expanded my experience of my myself.
1: Yes, that's what it is. I feel like a lot of the times education, Black education puts you in a box rather than is expansive. And that's what I want everyone to get out of studying Black history, just how expansive and rich it is. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. So if you can leave anyone, the SELA audience with any bits of words of wisdom, to take on Mm. their path throughout the rest of this life, what would it
2: be? Mm. Love yourself as you are right now. You will look at pictures of yourself even three years from now and be like, wow, I was so beautiful. Mm -hmm. I was so, so start loving and accepting yourself right now where you are. Don't worry about anything. I know that sounds crazy to the logical mind. Worry is using the imagination as a weapon against yourself. Don't worry. And it's human for it to come up and lay it on the altar, whatever that altar is for you. Don't worry about anything. And to me, the most important, be kind to yourself, that inner talk, the way you speak to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Speak to yourself as if you were speaking to your little girl self, as if she was a three-year-old. Be kind to yourself. And forgiveness will give you everything.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. <laughs> That's so beautiful. Chills. And Thank And anyone who is listening to this podcast has just had this little bit-sized taste of Deanna and knows they want more of this. Wha- I do. <laughs> Where can I find you? <laughs> We're you. Exactly um, I know you have a program coming up. Do you want to let everyone know about um, the course that you have coming up? It was late February, right?
2: Yes. That's going to be pushed because, I, you know, as we said in the beginning, I'm also an actress, so I've booked a couple things and I'm, I had to push it to March. But... <laughs> Um, it's even greater. So yes, by the time this comes out,
1: people have their
2: time. Exactly. So um, yes, it's a it's a group coaching course called Woman Reclaim Your Destiny. And it is a space for women of color to come together and be witnessed. And you'll receive laser coaching, um, a host of, of uh, different lessons each week infused with Kundalini yoga. And really the purpose of this, because what I've been finding with most of my clients is a space where you can safely shed sexual shame, start to really reclaim your womb power, which inherently frees your authentic voice and just come into a deeper love of yourself through sisterhood. So that is a 10 week program. And you can find out more about it on my website. So DionnanicoleBaxter.com or just follow me on Instagram. I'll be having all the updates there at nicole. And I also have an amazing um, um, just guide, a free guide that I give out to people that are interested, especially if they're interested in working with shedding sexual shame. And some people don't even know they have sexual shame. Just becoming deeper connected with your creativity and your womb. And your sensuality, and I'm happy to send that over to anyone as well. Just hit me up at Instagram; I'll send that right over. It's called Reclaim Your WAP. Yes, I said it. Get you. Yes. To <laughs> I yeah. love
1: that. Well, thank you so yeah. much, Deanna. This was amazing.
0: This this was this was a really good one, mm-hmm. and um, thank you so much. Oh, we hope to thank see you again.